0: The following program is a presentation of Grace Communion International and Grace Communion Seminary and is made possible by generous donations from viewers like you. On this episode of You're Included, theologian Dr. Daniel Thamel discusses how understanding Christ's effective work is essential for living life with joy. Our host is Dr. J. Michael Fazell. Thanks for being with us today.
1: Delighted to be with you.
0: I wanted to begin by asking you to talk about your Christian journey and how you came to be a Trinitarian theologian.
1: I had uh, wonderful Christian parents and who later in life became missionaries with Wycliffe Bible translators. Uh, it was really during my time at uh, Westmont College, uh, particularly under the tutelage of Ray Anderson. That I began to reflect more deeply on my understanding of Christ. I had come to know him as Savior years earlier, but it was during those uh, those wonderful classes that I took from Ray Anderson that I began to discover the theology of MacLeod Campbell. And uh, John MacLeod Campbell was a Scottish pastor and theologian who, when he would make his pastoral rounds, discovered that his people didn't have any joy in believing. In fact, when
0: when was um, when was he? Uh, McClyde Campbell,
1: Campbell uh, was a pastor in the early eighteen twenties. Okay. Yes. In Scotland. And he found that as he made his pastoral rounds, that the people would dread his coming because they were afraid that he would inquire after their spiritual condition. <laughs> and they felt so unworthy. Yeah. And uh, and he found that they had no grounds for rejoicing in God and he thought this strange that here we had this wonderful good news of what God had done in Christ, but the people where we're not finding any joy in it. It sounds somewhat like uh, today, doesn't it? I think it does. It, it has amazing parallels to today. And he found that the problem was that they were so wrapped up in themselves and in their adequacy to be eligible for grace. Uh, they, they understood that Christ had done something wonderful on the cross, but all their doubts were as to themselves. Have I repented enough? Am I sincere enough? Have yeah. I believed enough? Am I worthy enough? And so he, he sought to begin to direct their attention away from themselves, hunting in themselves for some kind of worthiness, and instead pointed them to, to Christ and to see how God felt toward them and to see what God and Christ had already accomplished for them. Uh, this really put some, some switched on some lights for me. It helped me to see uh, that, um, that in Christ we have a full revelation of God. That that God has come in our humanity to disclose His very heart to us. In Christ, we see a God who loves us unconditionally, who will go to any length to bring us back. Why is that so hard uh, to get get our minds around? I think because it's so counterintuitive. I think in our society, in our world today, uh, everything is based on performance. Uh, whether it's the job we have, perhaps even the relationships that we have, we're always trying to win. A relationship. We're trying to earn a job, earn a raise. Yeah. So when we're told that God uh, loves us unconditionally, that we're already loved and accepted by Him, that's that's astonishing to us. Uh, grace is an alien word in our culture, and uh, we 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 think that the, that we must do certain things, perform certain things. We must bring a certain amount of merit so that God will accept us. So when Macleod Campbell began to to uh, To proclaim the Gospel that God and Christ had already done it all, his people were astonished and, and some of them felt liberated for the very first time in their lives, and others began to murmur and complain yeah and mm-hmm. uh, uh eventually he was uh, forced to leave the ministry of the Church of Scotland uh, for for daring to 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 preach a universal pardon available through Christ, uh, but he went on to become one of Scotland's finest theologians. With his, uh, with his work, the nature of the atonement,
0: and so uh, Ray Anderson brought this as part of the classwork to your attention.
1: Exactly, he really, uh, he really helped us to, 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 to see that that uh, Christ reveals the Father, and that, uh, and and we, we began to appreciate the, I think the the depth in God as being a triune God that, that within God there's this Father Son relationship. That's been existing for from all eternity. That God is a God of relationships, and of course, Ray also emphasized the fact that the Holy Spirit is another of the three persons in that communion. So, if there's relationship in God, then that translates over into
0: how everything is made, including us, our relationships
1: with God and with each other. Oh, I think that's a crucial point. I think within within God, God being from all eternity. A triune communion, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, experienced an abundance of love through all eternity. And then it was out of the overflow of that love that God, through Christ, brought the world into being. So we were made in love and for love. And after the fall, then Christ, the Creator, becomes the Redeemer. God comes to reclaim that which He had made. He was not willing to live without us. And so, in love, he went all the way uh, to be incarnate in our humanity, in our skin and bones, to, to live life just as we live it, with the same temptations we face, the same struggles. And, and yet, uh, through it all, Jesus was faithful to his Father. And then he died our death and rose in triumph in our humanity. And now he presents us in himself as those who are loved by the Father who have been redeemed. Now, Didn't uh, Campbell have a great influence on uh, Thomas and James Torrance? He definitely did. Uh, uh, Campbell had been branded a heretic by the Church of Scotland in his day because at that time the Church of Scotland was uh, enamored by the high Calvinist idea that only some are predestined to salvation and that Christ only died for some. Calvin himself, but that's another story, taught that in fact Christ died for the world. But MacLeod Campbell, when he began to, to state uh, that Christ's atonement was universal, that he died for everyone, uh, raised the eyebrows of, uh, of his peers, and he was defrocked from the ministry. Um, but later on, uh, he, he was actually awarded a Doctor of Divinity by the University of Glasgow before he died. and by the time he died, the majority of the Kirk, as we call the Church of Scotland, had come around to his point of view of a universal atonement. So uh, both Tom and James Torrance uh, uh, loved uh, uh, the writings of MacLeod Campbell. They, they found particular help in his emphasis on the priesthood of Jesus. That, uh, that Jesus not only did a priestly work by his death on the cross, but that he represented us in his humanity, that our humanity was assumed by Jesus. And so that uh, as he lived his life, We were there in him. And when he died, we died. When he rose, we rose. And so Paul writes to the Colossians in chapter 3 You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And this is true because it's a present reality because Christ goes on bearing our humanity. We're included in the priesthood of Jesus. And when I go to pray, James Torrance was fond of saying, I'm not left to struggle Godward with my prayers. Hoping that I'm worthy enough, or pious enough, or good enough to get a hearing, but rather Jesus Christ ever lives to make intercession for us, as Hebrews seven puts it so memorably. And so uh, this dimension uh, of the priesthood of Jesus has been emphasized greatly by uh, by the Torrances, and I think it really helps us to understand our ongoing relationship to God today. Now, Most people have the idea that uh,
0: Jesus was human while he was here on earth, but after, uh, after he's, he died and was raised, that he's no longer human. He's fully God, but not fully human anymore. But that uh, works
1: against the scriptural witness. I think it does. And, and of course, one of the most memorable passages is 1 Timothy chapter 2, where Paul writes to this young pastor whom he is mentoring and reminds him that there's one god and one mediator between god and man the man Christ Jesus and he puts it in the present tense so Jesus mediation today with the father is as a human he goes on being human and this is important because the humanity of Jesus is our is is our bridge to god it's through his humanity that we're included in the life of god and the communion of the father son and the holy spirit it's through the humanity of Jesus that I can come right into the Father's arms, even though I don't deserve so glad a welcome. So, getting back to uh, your journey,
0: yes. uh, these things were brought up in uh, with you were introduced to them through uh, Ray. That's right. And then, and how did things go after that?
1: After uh, serving in the pastor for, uh, pastorate for a few years, it was my privilege to go over to uh, Scotland in 1985, uh, where I studied under. James Torrance, and these were uh, transformative years for me. Uh, James uh, Torrance was a was a wonderful man of God, Christ centered, uh, a tremendous warmth about his pastoral way. But he brilliantly uh, reflected on the nature of God as a triune God, and and as uh, as a communion of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He also made much of the fact that in our life in God. Uh, grace is the is the first and primary thing. That God's expectations of us are the second thing. The first thing is His grace, and that uh, as as uh, J B. We used to call him J B. Uh, not to his face, we called him Professor Torrance, but uh, <laughs> to one another, we we affectionately called him J B. And J B. said that you could uh, summarize a paradigm for the Christian life as being grace, law, consequences. God's grace comes first, and then He enables us to keep His expectations through His grace. And that our consequences, as a consequence, uh, we live our lives in Christ. So um, it was a very freeing thing to, to see this and to experience this.
0: I love uh, Paul's letter to Titus, where he says, For it is grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Yes. And so often what we hear is say no to ungodliness. But his <laughs> point is that it is it isn't law that teaches us to say no to ungodliness; it's grace, that's the right. fact that we're already uh, accepted and and forgiven right. and clean in Christ. That's what teaches us. That's the springboard toward saying no to ungodliness. Yes,
1: yes, uh, th- that's right. It's grace is the basis for our life in God, not not our works. Uh, in fact, Paul mentions, says to the Galatians that he's astonished that they were deserting the gospel, that, that having begun in the spirit, they wanted to continue in the flesh, that having received the free grace of God, now they thought they were on probation or that they were on performance, that they, they had to somehow or another uh, 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 be obedient enough or keep enough rules in order to be in good with God. Uh, and, and Paul wants to draw them back to the gospel of grace in Christ. The place where the rubber meets the road, with that, as we might
0: say, is when a person has sinned. Yes. Maybe they've sinned again. Yes. Maybe they've done the same thing they've been struggling with for you know decades or whatever. And there's a sense at that moment of, I am never going to overcome, and God, there's a sense of God has left me. I am. Forsaken, but that's precisely where the real gospel can meet us with hope and joy in the face of our sin.
1: I think that's that's profoundly important. I think one of the greatest enemies of the Christian life is our preoccupation with ourselves, and our unworthiness and our failings. In fact, it was Luther who said that that the fallen man. Uh, the condition of a of a sinner is that he is incurvitas in se in, ipsum. He's curved inward on himself, and I think that's the bondage that we face sometimes because of our uh, our brokenness, where we're, we're cur- we don't look up to God and His grace. We look inside ourselves and we see our hurts, we see our failings, we see wrongs we've committed, and we feel despairing. But but the gospel invites us to look away from ourselves to what God and Christ has done. It was while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us, when we were powerless that Christ died for us. And, and our, our life in Christ continues after conversion. It's a, uh, where we're continually upheld by the faithfulness of Christ, continually upheld by the grace of Christ. And that's why Paul writes to the church at Corinth. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, um, he says, Christ is our, our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification. He is all of those things. And if we try to find it in ourselves, we'll only be discouraged. So sometimes this is an ongoing thing. We don't we don't get a a magical mastery over all of our sins when we suddenly get the right insight or when we hear the of the gospel of grace. Uh, We're we're broken people and that brokenness will not be completely healed until the next life.
0: And that doesn't that mean that there's a significant difference between our faith and Christ's faith? In other words, if we are, what we tend to do is say, well, I, I just, my faith is so weak. I want to believe what, believe what you just described. Yeah. And yet I just find such a hard time believing it because, you know, you don't know how bad of a sinner I am. But really we're dealing with not how, the quality of our faith. We're dealing with Christ's own faithfulness. Our trust is in him, not in
1: our faith. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a that's a vitally important point that that isn't emphasized enough today. Uh, this was one of the great uh, 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 teachings of uh, Tom Torrance. In fact, early in his career, in 1957, he wrote a very important article called "One Biblical Aspect of the, Concep- of the Concept of Faith," and in there he points out that in the Bible. Uh, particularly in the Psalms, you see this. There's this continuing contrast between God, who is faithful and true, and stable and unchangeable, and man who is frail and changeable as a as a flower that is vital and full of life one minute and withering and blowing away the next. And and, and the Bible encourages us to take refuge from our own frailty and instability in God, who is faithful. And this, of course, then Tom uh, Tom Torrance points out is is uh, continued in the New Testament with the emphasis on the faithfulness of Jesus, and that's why um, Paul says, "When we are faithless, he is faithful. When we are vacant of faith, he is full of faith. He is faithful." And and that's why Paul says in Galatians chapter two verse twenty, "I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me." and the life i live i live by the faith of the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me paul was not impressed with his own faith but he was very impressed with the faith of jesus paul didn't 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 have the feeling that it was the vitality of his spirituality or his faith or his sincerity that guaranteed him a place in god but he was very impressed with the faithfulness of jesus and that's what kept him going that's so
0: freeing and comforting to know that it's entirely the love of God and his faithfulness toward us, Christ's atoning work for us, that, that we depend on and rest in. And we don't have to, I think as Tom Torrance puts it, look over our shoulder all the time, wondering if we're doing good enough, believing
1: well enough. That's so. right. And the, the centurion goes to Jesus, his daughter is desperately ill, and and uh, and he but he has to say to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus didn't say, well, go away until you get more faith. Yeah, The church and, does sometimes. <laughs> the church does sometimes, that's right, yes. But, uh, but he could come to him in his brokenness, in his, half, in his half-believing, and say, Lord, I don't even know if I, if, if I believe, my faith is so fragile, but I'm just desperate. And Jesus met him right there, and wonderfully healed yeah. his daughter.
0: Now, You recently wrote a, an article that was published in Princeton Theological Review called uh, Torrance's Theology of Faith. Mm-hmm. And in that, you use an illustration about a, along the lines of what you just said about a drowning man.
1: Yes, uh, uh, I think this is a, a vivid way of putting it. Calvin describes faith as an empty outstretched hand, and uh, and 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 I think to understand the place of a uh, of, of 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 a sinner before God is like that of a drowning person. That person is going down They're they're losing their life and there's nothing they can do to uh, save themselves. But uh, the lifeguard can come and save that person, but the person needs to stop struggling. Instead of taking swimming lessons at the time, he needs to relax in the arms of another who will carry him to safety. Um, The analogy that uh, Tom Torrance used, which I find to be a vivid one, he actually employs it in his Mediation of Christ is uh, he said when his uh, daughter was very young, he would walk her uh, sometime, someplace, and she would put her tiny uh, weak hand in his, and she was secure in, in the strong hand of her daddy. And he says, he says that's a picture of faith. It's, it wasn't the, the, the strength of my daughter that kept her secure, that guided her to the right places. It was simply my strong hand around her weak hand. And he says, in, 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 in Christ's faithfulness, we're being undergirded by the faithfulness of Jesus every day of our lives. So getting back to, uh, you'd gone to Aberdeen, you
0: were studying under James Torrance, and uh, how did things go from there?
1: Yes, it was uh, was during that time uh, that I began to study uh, in depth uh, not only MacLeod Campbell, but I also studied uh, Thomas Aquinas and uh, John Calvin. and I was seeking to understand how… Uh, one's understanding of God affects one's understanding of salvation and of the Christian life. And uh, Now, Aquinas has some, some many uh, wonderful things to say. Uh, he, he was a, a great theologian, one of the great theologians of the church. But when it came to his understanding of the gospel, uh, he, uh, he began to insert conditions. He began to say that uh, God will uh, meet you if you meet him halfway. He would say, if you do what's in you, if you try your best, uh, if, you, if you're sincere enough, if you confess enough, if you comply with the conditions the priest sets forth, then you can receive grace. He, he was convinced that Christ had done a great work on the cross, but he, he argued that God uh, meets us halfway. and the, the, the classical definition of that position is semi-Pelagianism. Which means that it's a Pelagius taught that we're saved by works. McCalvin said, uh, I'm sorry, Thomas Aquinas said that's not quite right. We're not saved by works. We're saved by works plus grace, and that that's known as semi-Pelagianism. And I, I wondered how it was that he would have such an understanding that 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 our works contribute to salvation. I wondered what what in his doctrine of God led him to that position. And I discovered that he was heavily influenced by Aristotle, and, uh, and his, uh, his understanding of God was one of absolute will, and God who simply can decree the, the way he's going to work with the world. God can do whatever he wants, and what he decided was to set up a situation in which those who perfor- uh, perform sufficiently, along with his grace, would receive salvation. To my mind, that didn't square with the gospel didn 't square with the God revealed in Christ and, uh, and then I moved on to look at John Calvin John Calvin has a much more Christ centered theology he really understood grace as being totally unconditional he he points out that when uh, when uh, uh, John the Baptist said repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand that in fact uh, John was saying that because the the kingdom of God has come with all of the grace that Jesus is bringing, you are enabled to live a new life in Christ. So it wasn't a uh, repentance wasn't wasn't a condition of salvation. It was a way of living out the new life in Christ. I found that Calvin was much more helpful because he had a Christ-centered understanding of God the Father, uh, and so his doctrine of God led to a much better understanding of salvation in the gospel. Um, The the problem for Calvin, in my view, is that he had an understanding of of God's grace uh, being limited from all eternity to certain elect ones, and those were the ones who had received salvation. and uh, and, and In in that respect, he departed from his Christ-centered point of view, because you don't find a, a God who only loves certain ones in Christ. You find uh, Christ opening his arms and saying, "Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." And God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And so then, uh, lastly, I, I looked at MacLeod Campbell, and I saw that MacLeod Campbell uh, was uh, was an advance over both uh, uh, Aquinas and Calvin because he was thoroughgoingly Christ-centered. In his understanding of Scripture, and uh, and of God. Now, once uh, James Torrance
0: retired, uh, you st- uh, ended up teaching in that position uh, for a semester. Uh, yeah,
1: I, I'm I'm still amazed to think of that. <laughs> it feels very pretentious to even admit it. <laughs> but after after I had completed my study uh, under Professor Torrance and I had gone back to the states, then he retired and he telephoned me and and invited me to come and teach his classes and of course I was astounded and overwhelmed but it was a wonderful experience to come back and 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 actually uh stand in the classroom where he had stood and not not imagining that I was in any sense his equal or or a worthy replacement but joyfully proclaiming the same gospel and the same theology and and quoting him without apology frequently but you only stayed one semester that's right it, it, I could have stayed longer. They were, uh, they were still in the process of finding a a a professor, but uh, but I had the 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 longing to get back to the states and back into the pastorate again, and so you were on leave of absence. I was on on a leave of absence. Actually, Uh, there was a church that I was serving in in North Dakota at the time, which uh, graciously allowed me to have that time to, and I and I felt I couldn't keep them waiting, so I returned back to the states. You've been watching You're Included,
0: a production of Grace Communion International.